Hey guys, Jesse Newell here, KU beat writer for the Kansas City Star. On today's episode, I bring on Nick Schwert of Rock Chalk Sports Talk and KLWN 1320 Radio here in Lawrence. We talk about the KU men's basketball team, where the Jayhawks go without Yudoka Azubuki, who suffered an ankle injury against Wofford. We talk about Diedrich Lawson and his year so far statistically and how good he might be for the Jayhawks this season. And also Quentin Grimes. How good was he against Wofford, and what can that mean for his confidence moving forward? Just a quick note, some of the audio early from me sounds a little bit robotic. I promise after the first minute you won't hear it or notice it as we got the audio issue fixed, but uh, that is something to be aware of here in the first few seconds of this podcast. With that, let's go to our conversation with Nick Schwert of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Happy to bring on Nick Schwert. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jesse. Always a pleasure to hop on the podcast with you. Well, I'm glad that we could you in. Uh, KU just completed a victory over Wofford, but some big picture topics to talk about with this Kansas basketball team, especially after the injury Tuesday night to Yudoka Azubuki and the ankle sprain. Uh, first off, let's just discuss that a little bit. Nick. How do you see the Yudoka injury affecting KU moving forward? And I guess what did you see from the Jayhawks after he went down on Tuesday night against Wofford? Well, I think it's twofold because I've heard I've heard both sides of the spectrum. I've heard that this could be good for KU because they look better when they've got four guards on the court spacing everything offensively. I've heard it could be bad because if they want to be a national championship contender, they need one of the most efficient postmen in the country, one of the most efficient big men in the country on the court. There's probably truth to both of them, which is that I think in the short term without Udoka, we may see a team that has had some of these guys struggling offensively, whether it's I mean, Quentin Grimes is the obvious one, but Marcus Garrett has struggled. Uh, I, I think Charlie Moore is a guy we expected to maybe do a little bit more offensively from a shooting standpoint. All of those things might look better in the short term, but the idea that this is good for Kansas in a, in a weird roundabout way, I wouldn't necessarily buy that because I think what's good for Kansas is for these guys to learn how they're going to play most efficiently, not only with Yudoka on the court, but yeah, in these instances when he's off the court, I think it's better to just push through and take your lumps and go through these growing pains. That's how you're going to learn and adapt and grow. I'm not necessarily of the belief that Yudoka being off the court is going to expedite this growing experience for some of these younger guys. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's a fascinating thing because... It's sort of I, – I totally agree with you, and this is what I wrote my story on yesterday, which is basically that I'm going to be fascinated to see how this looks for KU with the four guards. Bill Self wanted to get more of a four-guard look in there. You do not want Yudoka to go down. You don't want him to get injured, and you obviously want to have him available because I think one of the best things that KU has been able to do this year is be very versatile. You know that They can play yeah. different opponents different ways, and even if they trail by eight points in what was five straight games – they can come back because Bill Self is a great in-game coach. He can figure it out on the fly, and they have enough pieces where, you know, you can throw things and try different things and and basically get it figured out eventually. And while I love the advanced metrics, and KU doesn't look great in those as of yet because they haven't been great efficiently, uh, efficiency-wise, uh, they still have been able to win games, which is the most important facet. And especially when you look at the NCAA tournament, I mean, how much are you matchup proof? goes a long way towards whether you can make a Final Four run or not, or maybe make a national championship, those exactly. sorts of things. But, but, but all those things, having said all that, I'm not so sure that KU's best lineup 
isn't this four guard look and isn't them playing the way that they played last night for that 27-0 run. And you saw them do some great things defensively, but I don't know about you, Nick, man. It, last year, it's almost like, and it's almost to me like as an observer of this team or you can throw K fans in there, you almost got spoiled watching the four, get, the four guard offense, the four game offense, as they call it, where they spread it out. They'd have driving lanes. They use joke for dunks, you know, to lob to him. And he sets ball screens and just it's free flowing. It's like watching the NBA and guys can make reads and it's really tough to defend. And then when they went back to this too big look for most of the season, it's just been ugly basketball. I mean, right. It's just, but it's only it, been it's six been, games, right? Seven games. So like it's yeah, it's been stagnant, though. I mean, you would agree sure, with that. Absolutely. I guess where I'm at is that we know this much. We don't know how long Doke's going to be out. But what I think you and I and everybody listening would agree on is that whenever he does return, he's going to play. And he's going to play next to Diedrich Lawson. And him being out for however long he's going to be out for, all it's doing is kind of pushing aside that process of learning how to play with two bigs. Now, I think, like I said, I think KU in the short term could look better than they've looked over the past seven games offensively. But like I said, when you when he comes back, you know he's going to play, and you're going to have to restart that process of learning how to play efficiently with two bigs on the court. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. I, I guess my question would be, uh, it, it might be good to make the distinction here between four guard and four game, because four guard is what you saw last night where they put Marcus Garrett at the four. They play four guards in the game, what you would Mm -hmm. specify as guards with positions. And then four game is kind of what KU goes to. The best way I can describe it is the dribble weave. And so maybe something we learn here is that, and I wrote about this a couple weeks ago, Nick, KU, when Udoka has been in the game, they have centered their whole offense around Yudoka Azabuki. They've tried to get him the ball. They've tried to feed him and get him in spots. They've had to try to have Diedrich be the facilitator in that regard. They've run plays to try to have that big-to-big look to try to get Yudoka the ball. And sometimes it's been turnovers. Uh, sometimes it's illegal screens for Yudoka. Sometimes he's tried to do too much. But basically, he's tried to be the man when he's on the court with Diedrich Lawson on the court. And maybe this shifts it away from when Yudoka comes back the offense doesn't have to go through Udoka because what you saw last night, and I mentioned this in my story, a lot of those seven turnovers early again were a lot. We're trying to force the ball into Udoka and have him be the guy. Whereas the second half, okay, you went four guard. Everything was more free flowing. There were more driving lanes. He turned it over zero times in the second half, Nick. And and a lot of this, even if you don't think you can outside shoot very well, and even if you don't think that this team is built as well as last year's team to run this sort of style, you still can have an efficient offense because you're just getting up so many shots. You're getting up a volume of shots. And and once again, it just looks more free-flowing. And based on some of the comments like from Devon Dotson last night where he said, yeah, it just felt like uh, there was so much space out there this might still be the best style for the team, even if you have to integrate Udoka back into that sort of style. If that makes any sense, maybe Diedrich Lawson becomes a four-game type player. You still play four-game, even if he's not the prototypical four-guard, if that makes any sense. I think it makes perfect sense. Here's what, while you were talking there, I was kind of looking up Udoka's numbers from this year, and I think everybody could have just known off the top of their head that not as efficient as what we saw a season ago, but that's going to be a tough mark to pass 77%. Uh, I believe the all-time record uh, for field goal percentage. Do you do you know off the top of your head what his field goal percentage is this year, Jesse? 
I don't. Uh, I was looking into his numbers a little bit earlier, so I guess uh, this is this is a guess, but somewhere maybe at a 57, 58% range, somewhere in there. Uh, my guess. It's at 62.9%. 62.9, okay, so a little bit on I thought. And I wanted to look up where that would rank, right? Because he shot 77% and absolutely annihilated Mark Randall's record. 62.9%, uh, significantly worse than what he did a season ago, it would still be it would it would still be the second best mark only to his mark from a season ago. <laughs> and the reason why I wanted to uh, to look oh no, excuse me, I was looking at his freshman numbers. It's sixty eight percent. So point still stands, except it's even better. It would still be the best mark uh, by a long shot beating uh, Mark Randall's sixty two point zero percent. So the point stands and what I was kind of trying to figure out is that even though it's looked clunky that's the word i've used most often describing this offense this year is is i wonder you just talked about yudoka maybe this team maybe not having to run the offense through him are you convinced that that is the path of least resistance for this team like are are you convinced that there's still not a scenario where this team is looking to run the, the ball through him in the half court sets and that could still be one of their best forms of offense Oh, no, I'm not convinced that's what they're going to do. I, I just I'm interested to see this experiment and how it works out. And and Bill Self is right when he's discussing this, because there's more pieces to this puzzle than just looking at how their offense looks from a an aesthetically pleasing standpoint. You know what I mean? Like KU's interior defense obviously is going to be worse without Yudoka Azubuki in there. And I think a point that we don't talk about much is that <laughs> I made this point with somebody last night. Um underratedly bad is how I would describe Peter Glosson's defense right now. Um, to me, he's sort of like having Perry Ellis as a senior offensively and as a freshman defensively. We talked so much about how Perry Ellis got better with Bill Self, how he could switch one through four on the perimeter late in his career, how, how he showed these improvements. And I guess you don't really think back to that until you realize a guy who kind of steps onto the court like Diedrich uh, and, and hasn't played a Bill Self style and doesn't know all the principles, all those sorts of things. And he's just, I mean, I'm being frank, he's not that good right now. Uh, he's a great defensive rebounder, which is a skill. But um, as far as keeping his man in front of him and guarding out on the perimeter, things like that, he has not been great. So KU's defense will stay, take a step back, obviously, just like last year when they play the four guard look, when they play small inside. So there are lots of factors to take into here. I, I guess yesterday for that 27-0 run, and, and again, maybe all this is just being shaped by a very short and very small sample size here, but it seemed like it was for the good of the team. You know what I mean? Like the Jacks played to their athleticism. They played above the rim. Uh, Quentin Grimes looked comfortable. Devon Dotson looked comfortable. Charlie Moore looked comfortable. It was just everything. It's like everybody could just take a deep breath and, and play a little bit. And, and Bill Self has wanted so badly for his guards to attack downhill, attack downhill. And it's just so much easier when there is space to do that. And there's not this yeah. big body inside who brings the other team's biggest body inside. And you saw Diedrich Lawson in some of those plays last night. He was even backing out of the way to give those guys some additional space and, and room to roam in there. So it just felt like for a moment, it, it's like... KU found this great offense the last couple of years and figured the pieces didn't fit for it this year. But then they ran when they run it again this year, it, it seems to still sort of work even without the ideal pieces. And for a, a few moments, it seemed like Kansas just sort of clicked again. And I feel like for most of the season, I, I talk about KU being matchup proof. The Hawks 
have played the style of their opponent and won, which is fine. That's acceptable, and that's great when you're in the tournament. But for that, whatever it was, eight-minute stretch, the Jayhawks dictated tempo. They used their athleticism. They were the best team. They got went, got after Wofford instead of Wofford getting after Kansas, and I think that's the way it should be. But once again, it's it's a small sample. I don't want to go overboard here, and I think KU's defense is definitely worse, worse without Udoka, but I think we could see some offensive roles change because of what happens here over the next few weeks. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State. And no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or two fifty a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash sportspass. Well, let me ask you this then, because this is a question when you joined the show last week that I asked you, um, and obviously that was before the Yudoka injury. I asked you who this team's third big man is, and I don't remember your answer. I believe it was Mitch Lightfoot, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but last night, and you probably could have guessed this going in, if I would have thrown the hypothetical out to you, if Yudoka goes down, who benefits the most? Um, and it was Marcus Garrett last night. He played 30 minutes. Bill Self reiterated that after the game, said that Marcus Garrett's going to be starting on Saturday. But I wonder this, if you would, would you have guessed that if Yudoka Azebuki goes down five minutes into the game, that... Mitch Lightfoot and David McCormick would combine for 11 minutes in that game? Would you have guessed that? No, and I think a lot of people wouldn't have guessed that too. But I think, again, it just speaks to this team's pieces. And we can discuss how offensively it helps KU. You know, talking to Mike Young last night, he was Wofford's coach. And obviously, he came in with the game plan. Here's how you stop Doak. Here's how we want to defend Doak. All these things in the post. The people he talked about most last night were not on KU's offense. And the people he talked about most are maybe not people you would expect. He talked about Marcus Garrett, and he talked about KJ Lawson. And he said, those guys are a problem because they're versatile, and you have to guard them on the perimeter offensively. But maybe even more important, like you spoke out with Marcus Garrett, he can guard a four-man, and then when you have a pick-and-roll, he can switch off on the point guard and immediately make that switch. And that makes... It, it, it's hard to run offense when you have a guy that's that versatile. And um, it, it's sort of like Marcus Garrett defensively, and even a step higher, is sort of like that Josh Jackson role a couple years ago where he can guard a big man, but he can switch on a small guy. And that makes it so much easier to guard and so much tougher when you're the offense to try to free up your shooters or free up your drivers because this guy can play anywhere. So Mike Young was just talking about, man, this creates so many problems. And you could see that for them offensively when they went stagnant in the second half. I just don't it, – it's – it's when KU has two bigs in the game, it's sort of like Bill Self talks about his team's problems. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they have to hedge all this stuff. And, and, oh, you can't do – you can't guard on the perimeter this way because, you know, there's so many challenges that KU faces. When KU plays this four-guard look defensively, it, you know, and, and 
one game, one coach, but he's like, man, that's really tough to go against offensively. So I guess the word I keep using is free. It seems like this type of lineup frees KU up in many different ways. Now, a different matchup could bring about different results. And when teams can lean two big guys on KU, they're going to have to rotate different guys in. They're going to have to play David McCormack, all those sorts of things. But this might prove to be um, something that benefits KU down the line because they'll at least learn to play this way if they need it in a certain matchup. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the offensive efficiency goes through the roof here to the point of the next few games where they decide they might have to play this way just a little bit more than they have in the past. So here's my prediction the rest of the way, Um, at least while Yudoka is sidelined. Right now, Diedrich is averaging a shade under 33 minutes a game. He played 35 minutes last night. I'm not... I'm not predicting a Devontae Graham type streak where he goes like a month and a half without sitting on the bench for 30 seconds, but I wouldn't be shocked if Bill Self gets to the point where he says, I can't afford to take this guy off the court. And I think the only thing that's going to take him off the court is foul trouble, because if he is the only big and he's the anchor for your team defensively, I think it's pretty pretty easy to deduce that other teams are going to say, okay, this guy isn't a great defender. He's not a rim protector. Let's go right at him. He's their best offensive weapon, their only consistent offensive weapon. Let's go right at him, try and get him in foul trouble. Because otherwise, I don't see how Bill Self is going to take him off the court. Yeah, and you know, Bill Self talked about David McCormack's role changing for Kansas, and I think that's probably the number one thing you're seeing right now is he becomes... Diedrich Lawson's backup. You know what I mean? Like, if they're going to play the four guards and Diedrich Lawson needs a breath, needs a breather, David McCormick needs to go in and hold the fort for two or three minutes. And then when it happens later, he needs to come in and hold the fort for two or three minutes. And if Diedrich Lawson, as you spoke about, gets in foul trouble, he needs to come in and, and, and keep things going for four or five minutes. And he's better suited to do that than Mitch Lightfoot is. And once again, we keep talking about this, but Poor Mitch Lightfoot. I mean, he just seems to sort of always be in in the – he's a good player for what he does, and it seems like KU always seems to be asking him to do something that, that is not that role. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. he's going to be asked to now play the small ball five position for Dieter Lawson, which really requires a big body who can guard a post player who can get defensive rebounds. And I, I, Mitch Lightfoot is none of those things. Now, Mitch Lightfoot is great at being a team player and hustling – and carrying out defensive assignments. So all those things will help Kansas. But um, once again, this seems like uh, more of a David McCormick role when he comes in here. Or if KU wants to go super small, I guess they can maybe put KJ in there. But uh, once again, that's a defensive lineup that you're going to have to shield your eyes on uh, on one mm-hmm. end of the court. But yeah, to me, David McCormick kind of becomes the uh, the guy now to back up Dedrick Lawson. But as you spoke about, Nick, I don't see Dedrick Lawson sitting very much if they're going to try to play this, this four-guard look and just see how good that their offense can be. This isn't really a take, but it is just crazy. We are what about a month into the season, and isn't it isn't it kind of absurd our thoughts on this team now versus what we were saying about them coming into the season? But that I mean, yeah, you lose two of your top three big guys a month into the season between Silvio and Yudoka, it drastically kind of changes your outlook on the team. Yet here we are still looking at them, saying yeah, they might be a top two or three team in the country. Which, that speaks to their depth perhaps more than anything else you could throw out about them. The fact that they could lose two of their top three big guys 
and we still look at them as one of the most talented teams in the country. Yeah, I also think it speaks, Nick, to just basketball changing over time. And for Bill Self, the plays that he's running with the two bigs are things that have worked for him for more than a decade. You know, But they also worked when teams were playing two traditional bigs and those two traditional bigs couldn't shoot on the other end. And so those teams were trying to match up with Kansas when they couldn't match up with Kansas. And now you're seeing so many more teams stretch it and, and be problems defensively at the four. And you're also seeing how much spacing is taking over the game and getting players spread out and spreading out the defense so that you can do things offensively uh, to manipulate uh, the other team. So it's just difficult. I mean, you, you, Bill Self is a master at getting easy baskets. I mean, he absolutely is, and he's done it, and he's built a Hall of Fame career on it. It's just not working like it used to. You know what I mean? And and that's with the, the dude like Doak, who, I mean, is a monster inside and does clear space well. But it just comes at a cost, I guess is what I'm saying. When you can play that sort of style and have no turnovers in the second half, that four-guard look, that's going to be pretty effective, even if you don't shoot it well. For Udoka, you, you spoke about it, Nick. He's made 68% of his twos, and that's great. That's really good. But there's a cost there. You know what I mean? Like, the cost is he turns it over some. And the cost is that other guys turn it over when they're trying to get into him. And the cost is that guys like Quentin Grimes and Devon Dotson maybe aren't quite as successful because they feel like it's a crowded house in the lane. And the cost is that when KU is playing in that sort of style and Udoka Azubuki gets fouled inside, He's a 32% free throw shooter, and there's no guarantee that you're going to come away with points even when you end a possession successfully by getting the other team to foul. So it's it's the benefit. It's it's the weighing the cost and the benefit of both of these things, and, and that's why Bill Self has been so good. As I mentioned earlier, he's so great thinking on his feet during games. He's so great, make, great making adjustments. This is kind of one of those bigger picture ones. We talked about the last two years where they went to the four-guard look, they changed up their offense, they made a new offense, and he found ways to get easy baskets with Yudoka Azubuki without having to post him up. He would screen, he would roll, he would get alley-oops. So uh, this kind of is one another one of those puzzles that Bill Self has to solve where how much do you want to just take the great offense and take the, ben- the, the, the bad defense with it, and how much do you want to get Yudoka in there and, and crowd things up but yet know that you're going to be better on the defensive end. All those things are kind of big-picture discussions that I'm sure KU's coaching staff will have to reevaluate here over the next couple weeks and uh, the next game coming up against New Mexico State here at Sprint Center. So uh, it's sort of interesting and fascinating subplots, but if nothing else, I think we're both in agreement here that uh, good luck for Udoka to come back from that injury because KU definitely wants to have him and needs to have him to be as successful as they can be, even if his role might change here over the next few weeks. On a side note to that, does Diedrich Lawson now become the front runner for National Player of the Year? Yes, <laughs> I mean, has to right. If you want my answer, and I guess that's my fascination. I mean, what if this looks great? I mean, we talked about it being great for Marcus Garrett and Devon Dotson and Charlie Moore and Quentin Grimes. Quentin Grimes, who drove better yesterday uh, against Wofford than he had all season. It's also better for Diedrich Lawson. I mean, he's not as good when he's trying to back a guy down on the post and there's that big defender next to him because Yudoka Azubuki's down there and he can't space the floor. Yeah, I mean, this means great things for him uh, if they continue to play this way and and mostly great things for his offensive numbers because as I spoke about, I mean, defensively, He's probably going to get exposed a little bit more here. I don't hey, think three blocks will, last night. Hey, I don't think. Don't, I don't look think now. I don't protector care about that as much, but <laughs> when you're talking about raw numbers, Diedrich Lawson's raw numbers are about to take a, a big step up, I would have to think. 
Yeah, I think he's going to... I think at this point, it's pretty clear to me he is going to have the most impressive statistical season a Bill Self player has ever had. He's averaging... I've cited this a couple times. The dude's averaging 19 points a game. He had a game where he scored zero. He scored (laughs) zero versus Vermont. He is averaging 19 points per game, and he's only got seven games on the season. I would... My guess for his season stat line is probably somewhere around 22, 11 or 12, and like three assists a game, which that's that's clearly first-team All-American numbers. That might be National Player of the Year numbers, but there's that alien at Duke named Zion Williamson who might have something to say about it. Nick, do you, do you have the numbers pulled up in front of you? Otherwise, I can quiz you. On who? I don't know. I have Diedrich's On, numbers in front of me. That's it. Diedrich Glossin, yeah. So he's averaging 19 a game. You want to look over at his three point percentage right now? I I won't look at it. I promise. Um, but I know. What do you think, what do you think he is? Well, I think he's made one. I'm gonna guess he's at seventeen percent. Yeah, one for eleven, nine percent. <laughs> so he's averaging nineteen a game, and we haven't even seen that part of his game yet. And uh, once again, a lot of that based off of just the way KU's played and him not making those early. But uh, I mean. Would it surprise you if he hit a three a game for the rest of the season? Not at all. That wouldn't surprise me. And what he's so good at is getting inside, getting his body into somebody, putting up a shot and getting fouled. And he's a 78% free throw shooter. And man, I I, I think people overlook those points a little bit too often, but that is such a luxury to have. I talked about Udoka. When he gets fouled, it's almost like a turnover for Kansas. When Diedrich gets fouled, it's basically two points for Kansas. And so that's what he's so good at. And that's why those numbers will be so consistent. We've seen that with Frank Mason. We've seen that with Sharon Collins or with Perry Ellis or with Thomas Robinson. Man, when you get eight or nine free throws a game and you make a lot of a high percentage of those, uh, the numbers are not going to and You're not going to have those zero point games very often. So uh, number one in the Ken Palm player of the year rankings. And as you mentioned, if we're statistics here, he's going to be the best player on one of the best teams and have the you look at and you say, wow, I, that guy deserves to be on every All-American team. So absolutely, I think, um, you talking to him last night, he said that they, they're used to the four-guard look. They kind of freedom with it, and, and Bill Self will be the first to mention that, that Diedrich Lawson does have more capability to move around inside and do what he does best without uh, Udoka kind of clogging up in there. So, yeah, his numbers could really take off. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Do you... How many free throws is he shooting per game, Diedrich? He's at seven games, has shot 51 free throws. So quick math would say just a shade over seven. Well, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the season that Joel Embiid has been having, but uh, he's having a legitimate MVP season for the Philadelphia 76ers. And one of the reasons why is because he's really smart and he knows how to draw fouls and he knows how to create angles and he knows his defenders' weaknesses and their tendencies. That's just a sign of a really intelligent, smooth player. Those those characteristics, I think, could be aptly applied to Diedrich Lawson. And I, to your point, like I think his perhaps best strategy moving forward is how can I get to the free throw line as much as possible? He's, I mean, he's, he can score from every level of the court, but I think what could put him over the top and put this team over the top and significantly widen their margin for error would be trying to get to the free throw line as much as humanly possible. 
Yeah, and that's obviously a goal, and sometimes the result of that is having awkward shots inside that get blocked, and we've seen that from Dieter Glossen too. But I also think this four-guard look helps him in a sense of attacking a little bit more. Sometimes when KU's offense went stagnant or has gone stagnant with two bigs, you've seen Diedrich pull up for 18-footers, and while he can hit them, you know that's not really what you want to cater your offense to. Uh, so for him to have some driving space, to have some space to – to move around inside and, and create for himself. And, you know, he reminds me a little bit of that, of, of Perry Ellis. To be honest, you know, where you want to get it to him at the elbow where he can drive, put his head down, get his shoulders down. He's really good about, you know, getting that short shot off the glass and in uh, when he's about five or six feet away. So doing that, putting your shoulder in a guy, hoping to create some contact and get to the line, I, I think all those things could benefit Diedrich Lawson. Uh, real quick before we go, Nick, uh, I wanted to mention Quentin Grimes. What do you think about his performance, and do you think this is – Obviously, a step in the right direction for him, but um, what do you think of his potential future? Obviously, he had the struggles before the game against Wofford, but seemed to take a step in the right direction there. Well, I'll use another comparison. I just I just used Joel Embiid, so I'll use his running mate, Andrew Wiggins, to, to talk about Quentin Grimes. Going back to his freshman season, it seemed like he had a tendency early in games to, to look for his jumper. And if he could hit a, a, a shot or two down, it seems like that would almost kickstart things to the point where he said, okay... Um, tonight's my night. Let me get after it. I'm going to start being aggressive. I'm going to start driving to the rim and looking to score, which is when he was at his best. But if he came out and missed a couple of shots early on in the game, it seems like he would almost take a step back and say, all right, not my night. Let me get some other guys involved, which was kind of counterintuitive to what his strengths were. I feel like we've seen a little bit of that with Quentin Grimes, where He'll look to score early in the game. If he misses a shot within the first five minutes, maybe he'll take another one. If that's not falling, he seems to almost disappear from the game. I hope that going to uh, having Diedrich at the five, spacing the floor offensively, will help him become more comfortable and not looking to settle for jumpers. Because that was never the scouting report on him coming into college. Even though he, what do we go, six for ten against Michigan State in game one. That, that, I know you're going to cringe when I say this, Jesse, but that is actually an ex- a real example of fool's gold, right? Oh, I'm sorry, dude. but you know it. Oh. You know it's true. You know it's, you just had an aneurysm. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you know it's true. You know that's not his game. You know he's at his best when he is creating off the dribble and driving to the hoop. I hope that this makes it easier for him to do that and get in his comfort zone because that's when he's going to be at his best. That's when this team is going to be at its best. I honestly think a big issue with Quinton was finding his role. And I think once he hit those threes against Michigan State, he needs another outside shooter. He kind of figured that that would be his role when he is capable of a lot more. And Bill Self has harped over and over again about him getting downhill. One quick example in the second half during that 27-0 run, it just seemed, when I talk about the pieces fitting, Marcus Garrett switched on a point guard. He was guarding Wofford's four-man. He gets switched on a point guard, creates a steal. Perfect use of his ability. Throws it to Devon Dotson, sprints up the court, gets out in fast break. Perfect use of his ability to get out in transition. Passes to the corner to Quentin Grimes, up fakes, drives baseline, and Diedrich Lawson peels off at the last second. His man goes over to try to take a charge. He can't do it because he can't get over to that side quickly enough. Quentin Grimes draws the foul. Perfect use of his athletic ability, being able to drive, have a big body, get to the rim. Uh, dribbling ability that some of the wings of KU's pass haven't had. Diedrich Lawson making the smart play to try to clear his man out. Again, all those players 
played exactly to what they can do in that particular moment of the 27-0 run. And so that's really maybe where Quentin Grimes can take a big step forward is if there's a little more space out there, if he feels a little bit more free to go out and, and try to attack the lane, he can use the body he has, the skill set that he has to positively impact the game. I think we saw it in that small moment last night. And we saw from all those guys in that small moment last night where KU really made that huge run and was able to take control against Wofford. Uh, Nick, any final thoughts or rants before we wrap up this Sports Beat KC podcast? Um, no final rants, but I would just note to, to bookend the Diedrich Lawson conversation, has there ever been a time where a team or a school had a first team all American, a different first team all American for three years in a row? Because that's about to happen this year. Or Big 12 Player of the Year three yeah. years in a row. I mean, that might be less rare, but it still seems like something that is, is definitely worth talking about. It's pretty crazy for KU to kind of just keep rotating guys in and uh, have different leaders every single year and want to statistically go crazy. Okay, well, let's get out in front lesson. of it. Let's get out in front of it. Who is their first team All-American Big 12 Player of the Year candidate for 2019? 2019-2020? Yeah. Let's, let's be the first ones to get on top of this. Uh, D- Devon I, I, Dotson. I'd have, to, I'd have to say Dotson, right? Has to be. All right, you heard it here first. KC Sports Beat <laughs> Podcast. See, this this is the talk radio guy, guy coming out right now. Like, you heard it here first. Jesse Newell said Devon <laughs> Dotson, 2019-2020, National Player of the Year. No question in his Print mind. the headlines he or, or however it put works. It, put it out there. Hey, well, Nick, I appreciate you taking the time. In all seriousness, guys, uh, Rock Chalk Sports Talk, 1320 KLWN. Go online and find the podcast. Uh, I often do this, and especially on these road trips that I take, going to New York, uh, I remember listening to you guys three different hours of it, or three different days of it, going up to Central Michigan to drive up there. Great content with Nick and Derek Johnson. Their show is great. So if you like KU content, if you like KU podcasts, they put up about an hour to two hours every single day. You will love the content on there. So be sure to go online on iTunes, check out Rock Talk Sports Talk. Or if you're around here, 1320 KLWN from 3 to 6, it is the only show that is dedicated only to KU Athletics. So uh, I would encourage you guys definitely go check that out. Nick, thanks for taking the time. Love to talk with you about KU basketball or love to talk KU basketball with you. So I appreciate you talking to me and hopefully we can do it again down the road. Well, thank you, Jesse. And remember, Rock Shock Sports Talk, also the only show in the world that has Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star on every Wednesday at 335. So we've got that going for us, too. That is factually correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, well, hey, thanks again, Nick. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks again, everyone out there for checking out the Sports Beat KC podcast and be sure to tune in for another episode next week. We'll